everyone, welcome, welcome, welcome to Show vs. Business, your weekly take on pop culture from two very different perspectives. I'm your host, Theo, and online has a man himself, Mr. Benja. What's up, my man? Oh, what's good, my man? What's good? Oh, man, I'm, I'm, hey, glad to get blown away this week. What? Oh, oh. No, really. How am I? How are you? You're out in Florida. What's going on? Exactly. We'll get to that in a second. But uh, everyone, thanks for listening. We have a great show this week. We're going to talk a little bit about AI, artificial intelligence, and what's happening in the entertainment industry and how it's going to change our viewing habits and just how we see TV shows and movies in the future. That being said, we'll go until you know, back in the past, digging the crates, we'll talk a little bit about our first computer artificial intelligence experiences. Then we'll also do our weekly check-in on what, what we're checking out. So listen to that and see some new technology, some new uh, shows and things that you want to check out. In the news, we got some interesting things about the next Darth Vader voice. Uh, that should be interesting. And then last but not least, our feature this week, artificial intelligence, good or bad for entertainment. So, Mr. Bidja, how was your week? Oh, man, week was good. Um, you know, it's just I'm, Instagram. I'm, I'm, I've got a plan now. I'm moving over from Instagram. I'm, I think I'm going to actually become, we'll see how this works out, a YouTuber. Uh, wow so if the data showing you that you have more views on youtube or you just feel like that's probably a better path for you instagram is playing around man um you know it's it's like the numbers are up things are over here and then the reactions and the number of bots and everything uh it's like facebook is a solid platform for doing stuff uh, and YouTube's a solid platform for doing stuff like like media, but Instagram is kind of just like all over the place. Because, I mean, and they change so much. It's like, ah, uh, oh, we're gonna be like TikTok. Ah, oh, we're gonna do more Snapchat. Ah, oh, we got to get a little more of this. It's just a little too out of control right now. And I started doing some stuff on YouTube and was like, you know what? I could switch this over to my primary platform, and uh, and that was a big thing. Uh, the longer form videos like something like 15 20 minutes much more appropriate on youtube so mm-hmm. i think i can make a long form video there and then i'll just do a quick little minute recap or something kick it over to instagram so youtube becomes mm-hmm. the primary platform i love it man do those youtube shorts you know that should be good uh yeah i mean you know meta's going through some hard times i think there's a hybrid freeze there obviously they're pivot to uh the metaverse is not going as smoothly as they had thought. Uh, Cheryl Sandberg officially left the company now. And so she was COO of, uh, of uh, Meta or legacy Facebook. But uh, well, man, it's, it, you know, they're trying to make a big move into this. And then I think there was some news I think we talked about last week about uh, what's happening with uh, they're trying to compete against Snapchat and TikTok and and, and TikTok specifically, it's not going well for them. And so, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of stuff going on with Meta right now to, to kind of make it more valuable. But uh, I mean, yeah, good for you, man. Figuring out your business model, where your audience is and what you want to pivot to. So kudos to you, man. Yeah. I love it. My audience is at mrbinja.com. 
that's that's what I'm <laughs> that's what I'm trying to funnel everything towards in ultimately. So as you should stay off them platforms. <laughs> Get caught up in the matrix. Yeah, man, the platforms will take your audience, <laughs> put in their algorithm, and, and still. So uh, now that's that look. Hey, everybody, seriously, that's that's business talking right there. You know, create your own platforms. Uh, anyway, on my side, man, this week was interesting. Uh, for those who don't know, I live in Florida. There was a hurricane that uh, was coming my way. Uh, so anyone who's ever lived through a hurricane knows you just don't know exactly where it's going to end up. Uh, but you, you know, the models get a lot better. So you prepare for it. But just like everything at the last minute where I live in Tampa area, it, it pivoted and went further south and they said it was going to go, you know, directly for us. So, you know, let, you know, luckily, you know, for us, but unfortunately for other folks, you know, it did hit them a little bit harder. So prayers go out to folks down in, you know, mid-South Florida on the East Coast and, and, and it kind of barreled its way through Orlando and all that. Missed Tallahassee for a change. So that was interesting. But, uh, so yeah, man, um, so just kind of prepared for that. Luckily, you know, um, you know, just thinking about, Weather patterns, you know, they did some statistical analysis that they're getting more, more stronger. So climate change is real. So just one of those things, as, as, as Mr. Benjamin, who's used to live in Florida, knows just, you know, or in New Orleans, of course, uh, you know, her case is just one of those things you just got to kind of think about. So, uh, so yeah, that's kind of interesting. Got time some downtown on Wednesday this week to kind of think about, you know, some things. Uh, so that was kind of the big news for me. And then obviously just preparing for Q4 for my business and thinking through strategies to be successful by the end of the year. Q4 is always interesting from a business standpoint because you literally only have one, um, like what, six weeks? Because mid-November, you know, from October 1st to like November 15th, that's it. After that, everybody's on vacation or, you know, thinking about Thanksgiving, Christmas. So you only got six weeks uh, out of 90 days. <laughs> so to kind of make some moves. And so that's kind of my plan and just thinking through that and what we're trying to do for the end of the year, but uh, that's about it, man. Just uh, really excited about it. Oh man, we, we are we are glad you are okay. Um, when we when I was setting up for the when I was setting up for the Wednesday show, our little informal chat that we do on Instagram, I was setting up for that, and I was like, man, hope Theo's okay. And uh, I got the message. I was like, hey, how you doing? And it's like, you know, <laughs> maybe we shouldn't do this one. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to try to brave it, but, you know, I just didn't know what the, the electricity was going to look like. The internet could have been all kinds of all over the place. But, uh, yeah, did you do it? Just curious. Uh, I didn't check yet. No, no, I didn't do it without you. Oh, oh man. Oh, appreciate it, brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right on. <laughs> right on. <laughs> so that means we got some news to cover. That's, good. That's right. Good, good, good. That's right. That's right. So, uh, no, nah, man, I appreciate you thinking about me and hope, you know, if you had any family in Florida, I hope they're doing okay and everything now. It's funny, man. You know, it's it, it, like people kept calling me on the woodwork because people that, I guess, people don't realize it until they see it on the news all over the place. And it's like, it was big news nationally. All of a sudden, I literally got like about 10 or 15 texts, emails, calls. You okay? I saw the water. Are you are you underwater? What's going on? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, we're, we're we're okay. You know, uh, unfortunately, some other folks are not, and so prayers go out to them. But uh, yeah, everything kind of worked out for us. So um, so yeah, man. Uh, they had another one. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Hurricane thing is uh, very interesting to me. Um, don't know how I feel about it. Be honest with you, if we want to continue staying in this area or what, but uh, it is one of those things you just got to be prepared for. So. 
So definitely we'll keep you posted. Well, uh, anything else, Mr. Pitcher? No, nah, no, nah, I don't, I don't, don't want to talk about earthquakes over here, so we can go on. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, hey, everyone, look, we're going to get into it today. We're excited. A lot of stuff to talk about. So let's go ahead and do digging in the crates. Hi, right, Mr. Benja. We are talking about AI computers. And so let's get into it, man. What are some of your early mind-blowing experiences with computers and or artificial intelligence uh, when you were growing up? Um, so as as you may or may not know, I was a I was a video game developer, programmer, and designer. And what? I know, right? Crazy. In the video game industry. And I I don't think I would have made it that far if it hadn't been for Clay Gerard. Um, I gotta look I gotta look him up, see what he's doing now. Uh but Clay was a great guy. Uh my brother's friend, not my friend. He was a lot older than me, so he was my brother's friend. Um he saw me he came by and saw me playing around on an old Commodore Vic twenty. And wow. now this it, it didn't even have a disk drive. It had a cassette tape drive. That's how, that's how old and baller it was. It had a cassette tape drive. So it was a cheap computer, but it allowed you to do basic programming, right? So you can do the go, run, run, whatever, uh, print something to the screen. Really super simple stuff. But he saw me working on that and was like, oh, well, I've got a copy of C and C++. And I was like, what's that? It's like, I don't know. Your computer might not even be able to run it. I was like, what? You kidding me? <laughs> Bring it on. So a couple weeks later, he was back at the house again. He's like, hey, here you go. I installed C and C++. C++. Nice. Man, I did not know what was going on. But when I found out you could do stuff like write a program and turn off the monitor, I mean, that was a dumb move because... You know, I had to plug up another monitor to turn it back on. <laughs> but we're, we're, we're thinking ahead that on that one, but I love it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, holy crap, you can turn off the monitor? Ooh. It's like, oops. <laughs> it was just, you could do anything. And I was just like, wow, this is, it was just another level and totally blew my mind. I don't know what my mom thought of this because, you know, it was just like a little kid in a dark room and a screen of text that she didn't understand. And she's like, what the hell is that? And I'm like, mom, don't bother me. This is C plus plus. It's going to be crazy. And so, yeah, it was like my first four years of college. I didn't like study programming at all because I, I was just well past what they were doing. It was great. This <laughs> <laughs> is bitch is like, I already know how to program. Why am I even taking this? You know, I love it. I love it, man. You know, sometimes don't you feel like we were born, um, you know, maybe look too early. Cause look, we were, but, we kind of had to be. We were, we were more resilient. We were kind of more self-starters. Just kind of had to back in the day. But imagine we got all the resources now. You could probably have a job, like making six figures, right? At 18. <laughs> you just got on the internet and just promote yourself and just be like, hey, I can, I already know how to do all this. Why am I in school? I, I'd probably be on something else, dog. Oh. Like, I don't even know if I would have been on computers if, if I would have walked in and like, you know, Mrs. Rouse or one of my high school professors would be like, hey, Benjamin, come check out this cool computer programming. You know, I, I get out of here. But because I knew, knew it and they, I was so far ahead of them, I was like, yo, I got stuff you ain't never seen before. And I'm like showing the teachers up. And that, that's what gave me my drive. 
<laughs> what was his name? You remember I took his class? I uh, was a C plus plus. It was a uh, the professor. It was a guy, Doctor Doctor Allen. Yeah, Doctor Allen. Oh, he teaches data structures, right? And, <laughs> C. and you know, he had the high pitched voice. What was that? You do, dude? Yeah, man, he was he was hilarious. <laughs> but uh, so for those that don't know, Mister Bench and I went to same school and actually happened to take a couple classes he took. I actually took a class at the same time as him, but we weren't not partners. Uh, my business partner was my partner at the time. And, and yep, uh, yep. you know, and uh, Mr. 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 Uh, shout out to Amin. Uh, Mr. Amin is still as fast as that. You know, just one of those guys just want to get it done and keep it moving. <laughs> forget, forget about the deeper thought. Just, just get done. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing, you know. So anyway, I, I never forget those JavaScript, you know, sitting in that lab and just knocking it out. I'm like, hey, we're done. See you guys later. <laughs> I don't I don't know what it did. I just know we're done. So that 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 was that was amazing. But anyway, so those, those, yeah, those good times, man. Um yeah, my earliest memories of computer. So we had a TRS eighty. I don't know if I remember this, but it was that Radio Shack computer that I was like our first computer that we had the house. I love that thing, man. I mean, you could obviously play games on it. There was some like crazy text-based games. I forgot. It was like some kind of fancy game I played on it. It was like weird though. It was like, you had to know the exact, you know, words to say to kind of get past certain different uh, creatures. And I never could get past this one section and it was just boring to me. But anyway, I, I digress on the uh, computer game, but the aspect was that you could learn how to do computer uh, programming. I can't remember what language it was. But it was just like so cool. And I, I learned how to like, you know, I, I was so cool when I created a program kind of like you not turn the TV off. But you remember that 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 uh, the, the TVs when they used to have like the different rainbow colors mm-hmm. when the TV screen, you just, you know, just couldn't connect to a signal or something. And I, I figured a program to kind of, you know, display that and wipe it away or, or make it, you know, turn around in circles. And I was just like, oh, this is like awesome. So, you know, that's kind of was my first foray into just like computer programming and just loving it. And so I guess the reason why I probably didn't go into computer programming because I maybe I like taking stuff apart too much. I used to take apart my video games and put them back together. So I was more like hands-on guy. So I was thinking about computer engineering. engineering. Yeah, I was thinking about computer engineering. Like I was going to build stuff, right? And not, you know, program to me, it seemed like it was just like, Fake. You know, furial, right? Yeah, just like fake. Yeah, it was just all like, you know, I'm typing stuff and something shows up on the screen. But when you build something that's physical, this computer can't go away, right? But uh, but yeah, I always was fascinated about what computers could do. Kind of like you, it's like that control aspect. It's like, dude, I can make this computer do anything, right? And so, but yeah, but I did not take programming until I got later into like college and I started kind of playing around with it. And then, you know, some stuff in elementary school we'll talk about in a second. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was, I was always fascinated about like what computers could do, what's the possibility is. So, so that was kind of fascinating to me. What about you? Any? Any other interesting stories about computers, you know, when they were like the coolest thing, you know, if you were a computer guy, you know, it's kind of like, it was almost like a, a good thing and a bad thing. You know, you literally got labeled, uh, no one, you're labeled as like the nerd, but also you're labeled as a person that can help. People. And so yeah, they, people always went to you, they needed help. So if it was a cute girl in the, in the class, she would go to you. Right. But she's not going to date you. <laughs> hey man. Uh, yeah, I, I use that to my advantage. We had a we had a, a Apple Lab, one of the first in in uh, Tallahassee. We had an Apple Lab in uh, Florida A and M University Development and Research School. That was the high school name, right? 
uh, they were just experimenting on us. That's why it's the Developmental Research School. And uh, they were like, hey, let's give these kids some uh, Apple computers and see what happens to them. You know, they're in there taking notes and stuff, watching this on the computers. But being in there, and I'm like, oh, Apple computers, here's how you do this and that. And I just like went to it. Everybody in there was like, whoa, 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 what's he doing? I'm like, hey, man, it's, it's top secret. So I ended up becoming like a an assistant in the Apple lab. So it kind of like got me out of a lot of classes sometimes or it's like, nice. Hey, we're going to be printing up, you know, banners for, you know, whatever event or at, at the school or whatever, who can help with this? Get Benjamin in here. And I'm like, yes, history class is over. Done. I'm out. Nice. Yeah. It was fun. I love it. I love it. You know what? We got one too. Uh, I mean, COVID city, California, I think we had an Apple lab. And, you know, just like anybody, I was trying to, you know, be one of the lab assistants and trying to be in there and play around the computers. And so to me, that was like a badge of honor. And then also, I remember uh, like you just in second grade, we always had the computer in the back room. And, you know, if you were good with the computer, like your point, you could get out of work, you know. Okay. 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 They used to call me JR back in the day. So, you know, Theo, <laughs> that's my name now, but JR named after my dad. JR, go back in the back room and, you know, figure out the computer. So I would you know, figure out how to turn it on, figure out what games to play. I kind of be one, again, one of those guys. And then I eventually, I can't remember, it was like fourth or fifth grade. I would literally go to other classrooms, like, you know, and help out the younger kids with like games and stuff like that. That was kind of like one of the little special projects I did back in the day. And so that was kind of fun. So, so yeah, computers almost is like, um, almost like you were a mage or like a mystic mystic artist like yeah. you know like you were like a, a musician right like merlin musician you knew how this 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 this, this magic right box worked and so it's almost kind of made you special and so it's kind of one of you know you kind of gravitated toward that you became special and so um that 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 was something i always kind of liked a little bit about computers um we did get one i don't can't recall i think you know we were in rooms i actually must have computer a lot but i, I didn't ever i didn't have one to really i got like little like late high school college or, or grad school but uh i just always was like fascinated by them and what they could do so that was kind of interesting and you know what's what's interesting now you that i'm thinking about it is we were at an age where like uh you know, I of course we didn't know this, but like Steve Jobs and Bill Gates were battling for, you know, to get all their PCs out there. Well, IBM and PC Juniors and all those deals, they 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 were battling it out, and we're just in there like, okay, well, get an Apple Lab. Who using Apple computers? I don't know. All the other schools use it, whatever. But being at that at that at that point in time where computers were becoming a thing. And now we've ridden it out to the point where computers aren't as much of a thing. It's more like digital devices and everybody it's, it's simplified. Right. So, I mean, a lot of people, yeah, you know, Apple released that commercial where the girl is working on the iPad and at the end of it, her mom goes, you know, so what are you doing to your computer? And she's like, what's a computer? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And it's so weird now seeing kids who don't understand technology. And I'm like, yeah, well, where, where's, what's the boot up? What's the this and that? And I'm just like going to the computer stuff. And they're like, what are you talking about? I just I just hold down the, the home button and it resets and this and that. Like, yeah. 
there's no appreciation of just like operating system OS and, you know, get into the <laughs> DOS. Remember DOS back in the day and figuring out that's on the PC side, figuring that out, uh, you know, Linux kernels and understanding like how to boot up, you know. And so that's like, well, we kind of, we were in the guts of the computer, right? And then, you know, I came, I, I start working with Cisco systems and networking to so understand like, you know, how to set up, you know, DHCP, you know, why is the internet not working and trying to figure that out. And so, um, you know, I think that was like beginnings of this. And then now we're talking about AI, like today, now we're into this, like, okay, so we're at the next level. First, the next level was creating the technology, right? The, the hardware, there was connecting the technology, right? Which is what, you know, networking computer networking is about. Then it was like the apps are sitting on top of it, right? You know, how can these apps interact? You know, games, of course, became the front end of that, but then, you know, uh, Lotus one, two, three, word, perfect. Eventually, um, uh, uh, Excel and all those type of technologies. And then it became like, okay, now can we take the same technologies and transform it to a different platform, the mobile device? And so, so it's like ele- evolution on top of evolution. Then it became like, okay, now that we have this data set, you know, can we send voice? Can we send video? Now we're watching movies. Now can we get data from what people are doing? And now that's where AI comes in where you're understanding like all these different endpoints and data points to kind of use statistical analysis high level to understand uh predict what people are gonna like do or say and so that's why we got facebook you know uh uh tiktok and all that making recommendations on based on what people do um so it kind of evolved that way right and so we were in the early stages to your point and just the hardware piece but then it it, it rapidly evolved i think you kind of went more in the software right ray and most the games and all that i kind of stayed in the hardware the networking piece, right? But I mean, we're both been in this space for like, I mean, combined what almost fifty years, right? And <laughs> so, so half half a century. So, so, so to evolve, <laughs> man, it's just uh, fascinating. So we'll, we'll probably dig more into the art AI stuff, but uh, yeah, man, it's just you know when you think about that, it's just like wow, man, you know, we're we're right there, man, in the revolution, man. And yeah. Just imagine what's going to happen in the future. Yeah, man, and. Speaking of the future, that's exactly why we're we're doing this pod because there's some uh, craziness that it affects show versus business in uh, in this whole AI technology thing. So we're going to get into that later. I love it. I love it. So anyway, let's go ahead and do our next segment, uh, Mr. Benja. What are you checking out, man? What's the latest and greatest when it comes to TV, movies? I don't know, social media. Oh man, I feel stupid, man. I'm I'm. I'm, I'm stuck in reaction videos. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one of the reasons I, I, I said that I was going to go to YouTube and become a YouTuber is because I can make reaction videos. <laughs> so it's going to, it's going to be like X game developer, you know, gives his reaction to euphoria or whatever, you know? So nice. Nice. I love it, man. Yeah. I love the angle. Uh, what's, 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 what's the issue about reaction videos to you? Why, why are you so drawn to them? So when I say reaction videos, I'm not referring to the little short, short ones you see on TikTok. I mean, like the long form 30 to 50 minute ones that you watch on, on YouTube or somewhere else. Basically you get a chance to see somebody from a certain area of life interacting with media that you would like mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you've ever sat down and you're like oh yeah all my, me and my friends watch anime and then it's like one of your 
one of the church members, her daughter comes over and she's like, she's like, oh, I've never seen anime before. And you're like, okay, hold on, hold on. <laughs> You've never seen anime before. I, I've, I've got to watch. I've got to see what you think about Attack on Titan. I've got to see what you think about. Ah, it's true. You know, oh, okay. and when I never thought of it like that. It's very weird to me because I'm watching all these different people and it's like, we're, you know, I'm, I'm older now. So I'm watching people who have never seen Terminator and Terminator 2, Predator. And they're like, yeah, I usually I'm not into these old school movies, but they said I should watch Predator and film it. So, you know, I'm like, oh, this person's used. I go back to their playlist. Right. And they watch Glee. They watch, uh, you know, a lot of new stuff and react to it. And then all of a sudden they go back and watch Predator. And I'm like, huh, I wonder how this plays out for somebody in this era to watch Predator. Is it scary? Is it weird? Is it corny? You know, and you just see all the differences showing. It's it's just fascinating to me watching all these people. And and I get a chance to kind of relive the experience of, oh, shoot, that's what he looks like? Or, oh, wow, what happens now? Oh, wow. Okay, so there's two parts of it. It's a nostalgia play where you're kind of like, you know, hey, I remember seeing it for the first time too, and see if that resonates with this new generation, see if they mm-hmm. kind of feel the same things you feel. But also, this is a new generation where, you know, it's more woke, um, you know, more politically correct. You know, some things don't play as well. Yeah. Trying to see them, how they react to some of the blatant sexism, racism <laughs> that, that we saw in the 80s, man. <laughs> just like, we just like, brushed it off like, yeah. oh, he just, he just called me N-word. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, whatever, man. <laughs> exactly. Like, uh, you remember uh, Mr. T and Rocky? Yeah. I don't know if you remember how his mouth was, but he was talking to people just like, I'll break your face. You know, just the way he was talking was just so brash, right? <laughs> and, and I'm sure the younger generations a little bit triggered. They're a little bit triggered by that. They're like, they're like oh, they're like, oh, Mr. T, I saw him on uh I saw him on Jimmy Fallon. He wears a lot of jewelry. <laughs> it's like when you see him act, they're like, uh, uh oh. I just uh oh, okay. <laughs> It's the same thing with Sylvester Stallone and all these other old cats. And like, you know, they're just seeing them raw early. So it's like, wow. Yeah. Okay. Very and fascinating. You know, and it's, it's like the time, the size of the times, man. It's kind of like, um, I mean, you know, this stuff is changing so fast. I mean, I, even some of the stuff I watch now back in the day, I get like, oh, that's a little harsh. You know, they, they throw the F word out there for gay guys or, you know, something like, oh. That's the right. <laughs> you can kind of, you know, now you're hearing it in your ears, but at the time you didn't think anything about it. But yeah. or they say something that's really rough, mean to women, you're like, oh, that's that's a little rough. So I think you know it's funny how entertainment, um, you know, is on the forefront in yeah. a lot of ways, but then it's also can be stuck in amber because now, except for that time period, and now when you go back to it, you like, ooh, that was not as good as it should have been. So. It's yeah, the, the compare and contrast is uh is definitely weird because yeah, as I said, some things they're like shocked by, other things they're like, Oh, that's it, you know. So Yeah, yeah. It's uh it's funny. Interesting. So um yeah, what I'm watching, um still I fi- finally finished literally like right before this pod, I finished my Game of Thrones rewatch. I literally went through all episodes of it. It started off as like, hey, you know, new Game of Thrones movie, TV show coming out, let me go check out the old ones to see what's going on. And I was like, started to compare and contrast. It's like, oh man, Game of Thrones is way better. So I finished watching it over again and I saw a lot of things. It was, you know, it's definitely way better than I, uh, a lot of parts were way better. The early seasons were way better. 
than the later seasons, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of people knew. But the the, the last season wasn't wasn't as bad as people project. I get where they were coming from. It it, it ended um, pretty terribly, but. I mean, the acting was still good. I mean, those actors acted their butt off with very little material to kind of make those jumps. I mean, they did a lot of face acting and like, uh, you know, spoiler alert, especially when Daenerys kind of made her change, right, from 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 good to, to bad. She did a good job. I mean, it was like, but it was very little there, right, to kind of make that jump. Yeah. So I always, I, so, so when I watched it again, I was like, but to be fair, if you watched it again, you realize it was always there. She was never, um, she never begged for anything. Even in the second season, mm-hmm. I forgot how fiery she was. She said, look, if you guys don't let me in, I got nothing. I will burn this place to the ground. I was like, oh, damn. And that was like second season. So yeah, yeah. when people say, oh, it just came out of nowhere. No, nah, nah, it didn't come out of nowhere. I, 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 was, I remember that. Yeah. She was always like, I'm about to blow it. Now, what helped was that she always had people around, but they set it up where, or people kind of disappeared a little bit, right? And they, you know, moved on or something happened yeah. to them. So anyway, make the long story short, I, I, I thought it was better than I thought it was, than, especially the ending. Like the acting was phenomenal. So I see why people resonated with it. And it was no show that worked on that level where, you know, when people would talk about stuff, he said, they would say something in like the later seasons. And yeah. you knew exactly what they were talking about. But, you know, when you watch a movie or TV show, sometimes somebody says, oh, yeah, you remember we were friends in like 1972 and we did this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ha, ha, ha. That was funny. But now when they said that show, you're like, yes, I remember the exact scene. And you can go back to it and rewatch that scene. And it was one of the few shows where, like, you understood everybody's perspective. They would come into a, a scene, someone would say, well, I want to do it this way. And you knew exactly. And other person said, no, I think we should do it this way. You empathize with both sides because you knew exactly where they're yeah. coming from and that was like that's a rare thing you don't that's ne- a good you point ever that, see that. the clarity of the uh wantonese desires by exactly every, every part it was so clear and it was like so you were always kind of like torn because you're like well i see what the nurse is coming from but i see what sans is coming from i see what jobs <laughs> and don't get a scene where you got like eight characters in the room yeah. and they say one line literally one line and that one line had so much impact, right? Because you've seen their journey over like seven seasons. So anyway, I say that to say it was like, and, you know, the show that's out now, House of Jack, is, is missing that a little bit. And so maybe we can get to that point. But uh, I, I don't see any shows. I mean, there's been shows that have done that with one character, like Breaking Bad or, you know, yeah. Better Call Saul. But there's no show that's done that with like about 20 different characters. <laughs> so, yeah. so anyway. So that that was interesting. So that was kind of, as you can see, I thought that it's been it was it was a good rewatch to go check out. Yeah, what you got? You got, you got to do some uh, reaction. You got to check out some reaction videos on Game of Thrones, like any of your favorite episodes. You're like, huh? I wonder what other people thought of that. You just search. Well, for it. I, I literally I saw the red wedding with my wife. She finally got to that point. I said, I'm yeah. just gonna sit here, be quiet, and see what she did. She she looked at me at the end. She's like, What happened? That that that's it. What what? I was like. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> yeah, a lot of those out there. A lot of those. Definitely. Uh what else? Uh let's see. Um I started watching Industry again. I didn't know that it was a uh, this HBO Max series. I didn't know they had another season drop this year. But I got on there and it the recommendation engine finally said, uh, "Oh yeah, I forgot. You watched Industry earlier. There's new episodes." So, uh just started back in on those. I don't know anyone that watches that. It's just it just reminds me of corporate America. I kind of like it that way. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I watch it. I like it. I mean, it's kind of like when someone made it's just an exact way to describe it. The sexy, sad baker show. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, and I like the fact they have you know a black female lead in it, and so that's been been pretty good. So uh, yeah, I like it. I mean, they use a lot of lingo in the finance world. Even I don't understand all of it, but they do enough to kind of make you sense. But look, true story. This is this. I, I put this out there. Ever watch it? Watch it with the um, uh, what's it called? The uh, title. Uh, you know, uh, what's it called? The um, uh, subtitles. yeah, subtitles. Up. You ever done that? Um, I watch uh, subtitles. Captain subtitles and the audio description. Sometimes I do it. Do it for that show. It's hilarious because there's a lot of lot of talk in the background, yeah. and the sub, and the closed caption captures all of it. And that character Rishi, he is hilarious. Some of the stuff he says because they'll be talking right, and in the yeah. background he's talking to say something. It's like <laughs> gold. It's gold, yeah. man. He's like he's saying like the funniest shit you ever heard, man. So go check it out. But uh, yeah, I like it, man. It's uh, you know, it's definitely different. They're trying to do some different things. They had a good uh, ending, so go check it out when we get there. We'll maybe discuss it. But uh, yeah, I think it's got some. Uh, so so it's trying to do some interesting things. And it's uh, finally, I think this season they kind of crossed the the, the the next level where they actually it has a plot, right? There's a there's a there's an understanding of where this is kind of going. And so uh, so yeah, so uh, when you finish, maybe we'll, we'll we'll do a little discussion on that, but. Uh, yeah, I told my brother to go check it out. I think he'll like it. He's in his twenties. Well, he's in his thirties now, but he's uh, you know, he likes that kind of stuff. He's a math guy, so um, yeah, I think it's it's good. You know, it's yeah, valid. yeah. It just definitely reminded me of the cold corporate America thing when, uh, you know, the bosses from other other uh, other studios or other um, branches of the company show up, and everybody's like, "Oh, we got to get this ready," and then someone does something and someone takes it the wrong way. It's like everybody gets marched into HR. It's like, it doesn't seem like it should be dramatic, but with these high stakes kind of, you know, situations for me, it was obviously, you know, Hey, we got to release this game. And, you know, the Sony representatives are coming over to check out our progress on the game. It's like, ah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Corporate America. Don't miss that. (laughs) (laughs) I I'm gonna do a, th- this the uh quick shots here. So I've been checking out network TV. So remember that that was a what? thing that yeah we used to watch TV for free. All you had to do is sit in front of the TV and watch about you know five minutes of commercials through the thirty minute TV show. But uh, yeah, so I've been getting on my network TV. This is for those that don't know. Back in the day, in September time frame, new episodes of your favorite TV show, shows will pop up and. This is what's happening now with network television. So the legacy ABCs, NBC, CBSs, they got new shows, Foxes that are coming out. So I've been checking out a few things. One of the shows I've been checking out is Abbott Elementary, which is one Emmy uh, for best writing. You know, shout out to Quentin Princeton. Have you ever, do you ever see her stuff on a, what's it called? Uh, back in the day, what was it? She did a lot of stuff. Uh, she did, she went viral as a girl that you never bought anything for. And she would, you never seen those videos where she would sit there. You got oh, this is popcorn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I remember her from Vine. I didn't know she was like an actual, you know, actor or anything. But uh, well, she I, she took that and she went to um, what's it called? Buzz Buzz Sprout or what was the Buzz big feed. one there? Buzzfeed. She did like a lot of. Remember back in the day, they used to hire actors and they did like these little things like, "What's the five best things you could do for your girlfriend?" 
What's yeah. the 10 best things you could do at sleep, you mm-hmm. know? And she acting a lot of those back when, you know, the internet was new and everybody thought they were going to do everything on the internet. So she did a lot of that. So that kind of honed her craft as an actress. And she did the uh, Black Lady Sketch Show. And then she created this show, Abbott Elementary, as a, 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 a you know, homage, homage to her mom, who was an elementary school teacher in Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm supporting it. It's very good, very funny. Uh, so definitely go check it out if you haven't about the teachers doing the best they can in the uh, uh, inner city. You know, that's what we used to call it. Inner city elementary school in Philadelphia, right? And so I thought that's kind of good. Uh, the other kind of shows I've been checking out, I saw Ghosts. It's kind of like a CBS show. It's kind of weird. Uh, two husband and wife, they get together, they own a, a old school mansion, you know, B&B, breakfast, bread and breakfast. And it's inhabited by like eight different ghosts from different timelines. And so they all making different comments and jokes and only the wife can see them. So it's, it's, it's kind of like that basic sitcom mm. premise, okay. but it's like so many different characters that they can make jokes. Like literally, it's like literally a joke. Every line is almost a joke. It's like one set up a joke, one set up a joke, maybe two setups in a joke. So it's kind of like, <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Uh, so they move. Yeah. So it's like kind of interesting rhythm. If you haven't watched network TV in a while. And then uh, I've been watching this uh, Nishi Nash, who's been around forever. She's been like tons of TV shows and movies. She's in this thing called The, the Rookie. <laughs> Feds. Yes, I know. Man, this is, yeah, I know. I just saw it because I wanted to see what it was about. And so basically, she, weird concept. So it was it's, it's a spinoff of the show called The Rookie, which was the guy from, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Firefly, uh, Nathan Fillion. He uh, stars as a TV, uh, as a uh, older guy who gets into the police force. It's called The Rookie. So he's like in his 40s and he starts in the police force. So they create a spinoff for Nishi Nash where she's like older woman, you know, been in. She worked as a guidance counselor or something for or, or a college counselor forever. And then she uh, decides to become a federal agent because <laughs> she's supposed to get it profiling. Okay. And they just they say, oh, now you're the federal agency. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. And I watched the show the other day and, uh, just to see what the premise was. Man, she's just basically ask, acting like herself. She's like, hey, guys, what's going on? Baby, I know when I did this college admission, I was like, is this real? <laughs> <laughs> is, is she really that good? Or she, I said, so I like, I guess she could just be herself on the show, right? It don't matter if she's solving yeah, some loose crime and she's trying to solve, but really she's just trying to be herself. So... Interesting network TV, man. It's uh, I haven't watched it in a while, but you know, it brings you back to like, wow, man, this is like going back to 1980s, man. Just listen to jokes set up. You know, there's no surprises really. It's just more kind of like, oh, wow, you just really like these people, like being involved with them. But it's not, you know, it's not nothing new. You know, nothing ground changing when you kind of watch these shows. So, so anyway, so I, I thought I'd do a check in for 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 network TV. So. So you don't have to. So so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, all good stuff, though. All good stuff. It's not like I have anything against the linear TV. I just haven't. I hadn't caught anything. Nothing's caught my eye with it lately. So, yeah. Yeah. Every now and then, you know, like uh, if I hear something like Ghost got some good, decent reviews, Yellowstone. No, I go do a deep dive and check it out. But yeah, it's you know, about what you expect once you kind of get into it. So, so anyway, more to come. Well, Mr. Benjamin, let's get into it, man. I think we covered that. So let's get into the news. 
Benja, man. So that's been a lot of good news. We didn't cover it on our Wednesday set. So I'll let you kind of go over some of the uh, irrelevant news. And I got some, some interesting other tidbits I want to kind of cover. Uh, you know, I'm, I actually kind of want to, uh, well, I don't know if it'll be too old by the time we get there. Um, yeah, there is some some relevant news. One that just came up in the middle of our discussions. James Earl Jones is no longer going to be doing the voice of Darth Vader. Uh, there were cry, you know, every time I see James Earl Jones in the news now, I, I think it's going to be one of those he's passed away kind of mm-hmm. news tweets or something. It's like James Earl Jones will no longer be able to. And I was like, oh, no. Then he's like, he's not going to be doing the voice of Darth Vader anymore. It's like, oh, okay. Um, but the interesting thing about this story was that relates to what we're talking about today is that it's going to be done with AI. So they tried out using an AI version of James Earl Jones' voice at in uh, in the Kenobi show, and a lot of people didn't notice. Some people said it sounded funny. Some people said, "Are they, are we sure that's him?" But most people just kind of rolled with it. And yeah, so they've already been testing his voice in in uh, the Kenobi series on Disney Plus. So he's signed off on. It. He's like, "Hey, yeah, uh, for the rest of time or however long." You can use my voice as Darth Vader and just he's what you need with uh, voicing somebody is a a, a large enough library of of things they've said. And then the computer can chop it up, mix it or whatever, and get them to say new things or different things. And, yeah, he's basically said, yeah, just, uh, you know, send me a check whenever you you know type up, fire up the computer and have me say something that I didn't say. Well, first of all, shout out to James Earl Jones. Get checks in his eighties. Yeah, man. yeah. How old is he, man? <laughs> well, man. <laughs> to, to, I mean, look, they're gonna make Star Wars movies long. I mean, you know, longer than we're dead. So, shout out to James Earl Jones getting Wait, money from the grave. <laughs> I take a guess on how old he is. I was gonna say in his eighties, eighty-two. He is ninety-one years old. Oh my god. So shout out to James Old Jones <laughs> in this ninth decade on this planet, man, getting checks. I mean, to get yeah, I mean, kudos to him, man. Um, so yeah, when you when we first talked about this story, I did not know that they already started this process. So I, I thought they were going to start doing it. So when he showed when I was watching the Obi-Wan and when he popped pop when that voice popped up, I was, oh, good for James Old Jones getting checks, right? And then um, uh, but then to your point, that kind of makes sense. It's kind of like it's almost like brand IP, right? That voice is like, I, I can't imagine anyone else doing that voice. Even, I mean, have you watched, you know, any of the uh, Clone Wars, you know, shows and spinoffs and stuff? I'm assuming when Darth Vader shows up, there's there's an actor that's kind of doing the voice, right? So it's kind of like, almost like IP. So their job figured out like, hey, we need to just crap, you know, that, that voice is so iconic to Darth Vader. We can't mess this up. And we know we're going to be using Darth Vader to the end of time. So we need to go ahead and just yeah. lock this in. And so um, so that kind of makes sense from a business standpoint. But uh man, that's, yeah, man, Frank will see more of this, man. I mean, you know, if you I mean, think we'll talk about it later, but this actor that's coming back to iconic role, he said it's done, right? He's coming back to iconic role. And I'm like, well, well shit. Um, will he ever be able to leave? I mean, so and then that goes into why not create it? you know, AI simulation of that character, right? Because why not? 
Um, so, so, you know, I think to your point, AI entertainment is going to be really relevant for the future because now we're getting into IP that just never dies anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and so now these, these people who make these characters what they are, does that mean their voice, their likeness, their the images, the way they, you know, did certain things? Can anyone else play them? That's going to be interesting. So, yeah. So, um, well, let's uh, jump over there into the uh, the Deadpool story. There's a, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. we got Hugh Jackman, old, another old guy. He didn't want to come back as, as Wolverine didn't want to do the Logan thing. I don't know what him and Ryan Reynolds had going on, but apparently news is he's going to be playing a substantial role as Wolverine in the uh, Deadpool three that's coming out. Yep. 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 Um, yeah, man. Uh, so look, Ronald Reynolds showed up. I, I think it was uh, the Wolverine, one of the spinoffs or sequels of Wolverine as Deadpool, terrible incarnation of Deadpool, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which got lampooned on Deadpool. The recent Deadpool movies, his mouth was sewed up. You know, he just had, you know, hands. <laughs> so, and it was played by Ronald Ryan, Ryan Reynolds, but they retconned that. So now we have Deadpool as he should be. So, you know, Wolverine and Deadpool, you know, go back in the comics and in cinema, cinema history. But also, uh, Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds are also quote unquote friends and business partners. They do some stuff together. So it kind of made sense that they would kind of team up and finally make this work. And so, um, so, uh, yeah, to your point, uh, it was big news, kind of blew up the internet a little bit there uh, in the middle of my hurricane week. And I was like, wow, they're really going to do this. And so, because uh, we didn't hear anything. So, also, it's an interesting time for Deadpool because Deadpool 3 is potentially going to be under officially under the Disney brand. So people always question, is it still going to be R-rated and all that kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. So um, so, so finally, Ryan Reynolds came out and just said, yes, you know, it's going to be Deadpool, you know, but we're sprinkling in a little Wolverine dust. So the internet yeah. blew up. Everybody got excited. Um, yeah, I mean, Sure. <laughs> I'm like, you know, it's this nostalgia play again. Uh, but this goes into what we talked about is is uh, Hugh Jackman, who's, you know, I mean, basically, that's probably the role. I mean, you know, it's, it's sad to say he's a talented guy. He's been in tons of other stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when he dies, everybody knows the, the next thing after his name is going to be the Wolverine. So is he stuck playing this character today? He's dying some kind of, you know, former fashion. And that's always interesting to me because he pretty much said after Logan, he was done. So what happened? Well, the Logan character, man, they said this in, in, in one, uh, another one of Ryan Reynolds, awesome marketing, uh, forays, I guess you can call it. He basically, forays a business. He literally had a business on this. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I meant this one little episode, uh, one little thing he put out was basically just him sitting on a couch talking to, talking to Hugh Jackman, you know, and they're just trying to chatting it up. And it's, it's interesting how he's doing that, but uh, it, it got me thinking, you know, well, okay, we're putting this movie out. Hugh Jackman doesn't want to do it, but it's going to be a, he said, it's a different thing. It's like, yes, the Logan that we know still died, but maybe this is a multiverse play. Maybe he's a little younger and not so quote unquote, old man, Logan. We don't know what it means. But it got me thinking of AI again, where it's like, you know, you can go, you can de-age, you can, 
you know, if it was a uh, tough on his voice or what, for whatever reason, you can go in and redo that, do a little more action scenes without him being, you know, you could face map him onto some things if you wanted some different action scenes. So yeah, they could be throwing AI in this way too. Never know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, but to your point, yes, the premise that's fine. That's one thing. But, you know, all, you know, this happened. It's a different timeline. It's multiversal. But literally, the actor himself said he was done. <laughs> okay. So, but he came back, you know, for this. And so I thought that was kind of interesting. But yeah, going around Riddles, you know, this is a show versus business. I was reading his uh, Wikipedia page. So the start, the production company is called Maximum Effort. And they do all these, um, you know, ads and one of the famous ones is obviously the peloton one right where about the young lady that you know looks depressed because her husband gave her a peloton for christmas but she he created uh aviation uh, gin uh and which he sold to diageo for like uh, i think it's like 610 million dollars he has 20 percent stake in mint mobile which is huge he just has a tv show out where he and the uh, actor rob mcelany uh, El- who was in, uh, it's always sunny in, in uh, Philadelphia. They bought a uh, soccer team and they got a TV show about that. And so, so make a long story short, Ryan Reynolds is a business man. And so up, man? he's doing it. I'm looking at, this is funny. Um, I'm looking at the Maximum Effort website. I've never actually been there, but I wanted to check it up while you're reading. It says, <laughs> here's their statement. Maximum Effort makes movies, TV series, content, ads, and cocktails for the personal amusement of Hollywood star Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> That's classic. We occasionally release them to the general public. Yep. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I mean, I think that was, yeah, I think they, they would, you know, the same team created that sizzle reel, right? They got Deadpool to production. Remember that one that yeah, kind of yeah. leaked out there? And so he just kind of took that and used them to kind of keep promoting. And I think he does his own product, uh, promotion for all the Deadpool, Deadpool movies. So yeah. uh, he's, he's yeah, I mean, kudos to him, man. We I think we did a little talk about that in one of our episodes of his business ventures. But uh, and this is along the same lines. Uh, he's dealing with, go ahead. Yeah, along the same lines. Go ahead. I'm going to let you finish that. This is well, let me finish this kind of <laughs> <laughs> along the same lines of you know what he's trying to build for the future and what he's been doing uh, in the business venture. I mean, even Free Guy, he used you know kind of did some promotion on that. So any film he does, it creates. He, I mean, even the um, the little cheap little Netflix show he did. I mean, the kids watch. He did. He he used that to create uh, a commercial for like a cereal. So it's kind of like he's kind of leveraging his, his TV. I mean, his movie started with, you know, uh, actually ads that he's going to co-brand that fits his brand. So even if he creates the ad, people don't seem like he's selling out. So pretty brilliant. Yeah. Um, it, it's uh, This is actually a move that Diddy did, but much more public. Um, sure. Yeah, P. Diddy was doing a lot of things with, with um, you know, Ciroc and um, different types of promotions, clubs and things like that. Now he's doing got his own TV channel, but he was, he was a lot more behind the scenes. This is clearly like Brian Reynolds, which is interesting to me that he's so powerfully branded Absolutely. in his advertising. And uh, there's a Hugh Jackman section on the, on the maximum site now. So that's funny. 
I, I guess see it. I see it. I see it. Yeah. But like, like, like I said, Deadpool, free guy, um, detective Pikachu. So yeah. So it's like any project he's a part of is basically advertising for that project. And then can they create kind of, you know, content around that? I'm surprised like other folks like, uh, Snoop Dogg don't have their own kind of, like, they may do, but not on this level they may have, but, um, it's just kind of curious to see where this goes. Hey, man, it's fascinating stuff, man. So, uh, yeah, what else we got, man? What, what else you want to discuss in the, on the AI side? Maybe let's, let's go back there. Uh, well, I don't know if anybody's recognizing what's going on with AI and we'll get into it deeply later on, but in a little bit, but, um, <laughs> there was, there was an art contest or a state fair. And at state fairs, they always have those little art contests. You bring in your art, you sign it up, and judges come by and they judge your art. Well, art made with artificial intelligence wins at the Colorado State Fair. What? And pe- people are like, wait, what? How, how, how is that? What? You just allowed this guy to create computer-generated art. He went to some website, typed in some stuff, printed out the art. And you allowed that to win, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah one, go ahead." So <laughs> this is this is this is where we are right now. And he uh, judges awarded him first place and a three hundred dollar prize. Wow! As an artist, how do you feel about that? Um, winning the prize, I'm not so sure about that. Like, I, I would have that's an interesting call for him to win the prize. Um, but, and, and he says, he says he, he made it totally clear to the officials that, Hey, this is, this is how I did this. And maybe they didn't understand. And were like, yeah, sure. Let's go. Uh, art is art, whatever. Maybe they thought he was just using Photoshop instead of, you know, generating the actual art through a series of text prompts. Right. Um, which is mm-hmm. what the software does. It, it's not like, Photoshop. It's like you put in opera with a red tint and people, you just type in a description and it gives you a bunch of options. And he just basically picked one of those and and turned it into and and printed it out basically and said, that was my art. Uh, So how do I feel about it? You know, um, things like this happen where the first couple things slip by and everybody's kind of upset about it. And then you get a new format. So I'm not terribly mad at it. It's only $300. It's not like, you know, this one is so the yeah. auction or anything. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's it's uh, I, and we'll definitely get into this in our discussion. But I am a fan of pushing forward. And I think this has pissed so many people off that I think we're really about to see a disruption in how content media and productions are done. It's been happening kind of slowly. I think it's about to really ramp up Mm. and I'm, I'm here for it. I love it. I love it. Okay. So you're, you're a fan. So, um, more to come on that, but, uh, yeah, man, AI is here to the jobs, man. Does that sound weird to you though? Like a, you know, a big art contest and some guy just, Went to his computer, typed something up, and screw all the other artists. But this guy, went. I mean, you know, maybe because I'm, you know, somewhat familiar with NFTs, and so we're kind of familiar with people making a lot of money off of digital art, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that's starting to, you know, is coming mainstream. Even though NFTs are kind of down right now, but 
people being more accepting of that. And so that's going to be kind of interesting to see, but no, nah, not too concerned about it. I mean, you know, I think, uh, sign of the times, right? Uh, so we'll probably see some of that. We'll see. It might go back to normal, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it you know, valuation is in business people it just it's just an eye to beholder man it's just like who what do people believe has value it art is more so than as you would know right more more than anything it's like you know this art is you know worth a million dollars this one's worth a dollar because you know the color of the guy's hat is red i mean who knows but if there's a story around why it's red or that's really his blood because you don't remember when he cut his arm that's when he bled on it. And so Van Gogh, you know, he really put his heart and soul into that. And that's why it's different. And so it's kind of like almost like the story around that art and that makes it valuable. So whether it came from someone physically painted or digitally created, I think that's kind of what's general. I mean, you tell me, I don't know. It seems like that's what's generating like value uh, with anything that comes with art that's subjective. Yeah. Well, and, and a lot of times that is the actual value, like the, how it was created, what it was created, how audacious they the were. Story, the story, like, yeah, exactly. I, again, yeah, I, I didn't mean like the story. I'm, I'm sorry. When I heard you say the story, I, th- I was, I was hearing like, you know, the the life story of the artist or uh, just why he the came story, up. Yeah, the story, yeah, the the concept and the story. So this ten year old artist created this art that you never seen before. Okay, right from the external point of view, I see. Yeah. So do you hear that? That gets your interest, right? I was talking to uh, my brother-in-law this weekend about like, uh, shout out to your your story idea. I don't know if you remember this. We were doing screenwriting back in the day. And I said, you know, you got to come up with a concept if you're trying to write a screenwriter, uh, a, a story that's going to get people initially in that first sentence. And you came up with a good one. Well, I don't know if you remember this back in the day when we were thinking about doing some screenwriting together. You said, hey, uh, a preacher's son inherits a stripper, a strip joint. chaos ensues and i was like hmm and i told him that story and he was like intrigued and so i was like look whatever you create from a story it's got to be so simple easy the conflict had to be inherent to one sentence that just you know blows your mind you want to get it back you know get into that story right and so i think that's kind of similar to art you know or just anything even my business i've been you know talking to you know investors and stuff it's got to be that story's got to be so intriguing that people want to dig deeper. It's kind of like, you know, you get to that, fr- that first layer is just get the, uh, the, the attention, right? And then when yeah. you get the attention, then you got to build that interest that, that supports that story. And then you get deeper and deeper to it gets desire and desire. You create fear of missing out. People, well, I don't, I got to grab it until they yeah. finally, you know, put money in your business, buy your art, buy you as a person. So I, I, I mean, you know, I'm talking more high level, but, you know, I'm starting to learn this myself because I'm realizing that that's how you, you got to figure out how to create value, you know, when it's done. <laughs> A lot of that is just <laughs> running your mouth. Yeah. I, you know, I just, I just imagine people walking through the art fair and some guy like, huh, that's an interesting piece of art. I must've done it on his computer. And, it, and some other guy comes up, dude, he didn't just do it on his computer. He let the computer do it. It's AI art. And they're like, really? interesting computers can do this and you know every, everybody's just kind of looking around at each other like a computer did that yeah yeah so yeah I, and now I you create it. the interest and then now then now you got little people talking about it. now you got create was fear of missing out so now someone's like i might bid on that 
hmm, I might bid on that too. And now you're creating this little bubble. This guy, this guy charged $750 for this print. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. I bet he sold so, it. Go ahead. So I, I bet he, I bet he sold it for, for big money. Yeah. I love it, man. It was so, now. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that's the key to this thing, man. It's, it's, it's all about that story you tell. And uh, if you can kind of create that story and that re- the relevance and people, you know, attracted to that. Yeah, man, you can sell, you can sell people. What they say, you can sell ice water to Eskimos, right? And so that's the goal. So I'm learning more and more about that. All right. One last story I got is uh, Mr. Benja, our robot overlords are ready to take over. What? You know how I know? Elon Musk unveils prototype of Tesla's humanoid robot robot Optimus says it will cost less than a car. <laughs> so Elon Musk uh literally on Friday did their uh Tesla's I guess it's gonna be annual thing, AI kind of event. And he finally revealed their version of a humanoid uh, robot, which you know has two legs, arms, hands you know, kind of a, a, a cylindrical body, you know, a wannabe face. Um, and it did some simple dance moves and walked around and everybody kind of lost their shit. <laughs> so they were like, Hey, this is crazy. Obviously we saw the dog versions of these things, you know, four mm-hmm. legs, you know, running around after people this, you know, uh, I've, we've seen versions of this, but not like this, like an actual company put money into making this, um, Business story wise, kudos on all level. Uh, Elon Musk, being the marketer he is, just selling you know the vision of what robots could look like, which we've seen from sci-fi. So kind of selling that vision, talking about the what it will cost, which is brilliant because now he said, "Look, if you you it costs going to be cost twenty thousand dollars, which is less than a Tesla." So now he's already kind of uh, tagged a price to your own personalized humanoid, right? Anchor, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, there's a concept in selling called anchoring, right? Have yeah. you heard this concept? Uh-huh. Well, yeah. Well, you get kind of like anchor a price in people's mind before they actually sell it, give them the price. And mm-hmm. so now they're like, oh shit, if I got a Tesla, I could get one of these robots. Matter of fact, I was with my son watching it. He said, oh, that's cost less than a Tesla? Six years old. He already got that right away. He's like, oh, yeah. that's not bad. <laughs> and so, nice. And then, you know, and then tell them the benefits, the benefits of having you. So my, my son was like, what's the benefits of this, 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 this robot? So Elon talked about that. Like this can, you know, pick up a ton. It's really going to be mostly for factory work eventually. But, you know, someone like Tesla is thinking like, hey, if we're going to go mine asteroids, we can use robots in asteroids environments, you know, mining uh, planets, uh, you know, uh, meteors, uh, asteroids, excuse me, you know, getting material. And so, um, so anyway, kudos to him. I'm glad I got Tesla stock because he's always trying to think ahead. And so I think this is, uh, you know, from a business standpoint in line with that. But as, you know, as we talk about AI, Mr. Benja, is there anything about the story that uh, is interest of you and how this can affect, you know, the future of what we think things go? Uh, well, the first thing I thought of was when um, the little nine-year-old kid was playing chess against a chess robot and he reached for a piece and the chess robot thought, it was the chess robot thought it was his turn, not the boy's turn, and ended up grabbing the kid's finger instead of a piece and broke his finger. Oh, I, I'm just imagining, you know, a big robot and you're reaching for something and the robot's like, 
Ah, yes. <laughs> there's my there's my towel. <laughs> it's like no, it's my hand. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there, there will be mistakes and there will be blood. Uh, <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna be interesting, man. Uh, there's just, there's just no way around, uh, computers doing something that is just completely unexpected. That's just how the technology works. And I'm here for it. And I want to see the applications because, you say factory workers, but it's like maybe, um, you know, there's like the big, the big three areas where stuff always gets used. Any any technology, uh, pornography, games, and war. <laughs> <laughs> the big three. <laughs> yeah, you on fire today, man. I love it. <laughs> that, that's, that's just kind of how it is. So, um, you know, people will people will get other applications. Like, hey, well, you know, like you remember the what do you call it? Um, uh, I forgot the Segway when, when they had the Segway motorized gyro two wheel roller thing, when that first came out, they're like, yeah, you're just going to be able to go here and there and it'll be great. Nobody wanted to use that thing. Suddenly the post office was like, Hey, we're postal workers. We could use that. And postal workers started using it. I don't know if it just kind of came out of nowhere. So that may have been one of the things that kind of saved the company. and. I don't know. I don't know what the Tesla bot's going to be used for. Um, maybe a bouncer at a club. I don't know. <laughs> Man, you made a good, interesting point. Um, and Elon Musk was you know, really against super intelligence, right? You know, so mm -hmm. when the uh, singularity occurs, right, when artificial intelligence, you know, exceeds our intelligence, right, mm -hmm. and it can replicate their intelligence. The, 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 the fear is, you know, something innocuous as or innocent as like a, you know, the, the way I kind of envision is like, you know, people are like, oh, we're about robots killing us. It's not so much they kill us. They'll start to your point. They'll do things that just core to their fundamental programming. So if and that's what would kill us. Right. So if their role is to cut down all the trees and, you know, and make timber, you know, everywhere and they hit super intelligence, you know, with the A.I., algorithms and they get smarter and smarter their role is to continue doing that and so mm -hmm. that they'll cut down every tree they see then their intelligence will say well shoot the trees are made of wood so anything that has wood we need to tear down so that's how i tear down all the, the buildings in the whole world <laughs> so you know yeah, yeah. we are homeless and then you know and then, then their mind is like people get in the way of trying to cut down wood so i need to uh, mow down people or run them down to get to the wood. So it's kind of like yeah. their mind is not they is 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 not like they're gonna kill us because they're malicious and evil. They're just like don't they're not thinking of us as they're just thinking of us a problem to solve, and that's what's scary. And I think you hit, highlight that point. Something as simple as like chess, kid, you know, trying to put his hand, you know, uh, to grab a uh, a piece, and a robot is like that's my piece, or that 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 finger is my piece. I'm just taking this. And to squeeze too hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. yeah uh, it, it's it's a funny thing. And uh, Elon is about this high level AI being able to sit in the corner and you know contemplate and twiddle its fingers by itself. He's mm -hmm. he doesn't want that going on because mm -hmm. that leads to very bad places. As a Microsoft AI Twitter bot found out when it started 
calling people bad names and figuring out where people live and stuff like that. It was terrible. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> I know it was calling people names. I know how where people lived. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, no, it was just, it, it just ran amok and they, they shut it down pretty quickly. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but with the Elon Musk, even if, even if AI is limited and it, it's a kind of a, a service-based thing, you know, and Google's running into this with their, their Google street deal. You know, they have the cars that drive around. It's like, they're still running into cases where the car can't figure out like, wait a minute. Is that a person or is that a, you know, is that a Halloween costume of a dog? Is that a dog? Cause I can hit a dog, you know, but is that a kid in a, in a dog costume? I don't know. So, you know, it's still running into these weird problems here and there and we shall see what happens. But as any, as time has told us, we have no clue where this technology is going to go. Well, I mean, you know, I think of facial recognition software where, uh, you know, they've already done studies that show you have a, you know, a darker face because the algorithm perceives, you know, darker features as more problematic because the database has shown them. They go into any police, you know, database that see there's more darker faces that are end up in jail. The assumption is, oh, if you're a dark face, you're a criminal. And so this facial recognition software has to be taught to, to take out the biases. That's a big thing. Bias in computer um, AI, you know, recognition, I have facial recognition. Matter of fact, I knew a founder uh, who built a company on, on facial recognition, mm-hmm. saw that was happening and he was trying to change things around. They, the, it was a black guy run by a black guy. They fired him as CEO of his company because of that. So uh, anyway, are, I, I, are, you, are you calling Google racist? I'm not saying anything like that. That was great. <laughs> they gave me some funding for my business. But I will say, you know, bias is real, man, because human yeah. beings create uh, the programs, original programming. And, it, you know, we all have kind of biases, you know, just simple things is like, you know, uh, uh, yeah, what's a good example? Like, uh, you know, uh, looking at database and see the majority of criminals, people that, that present as a criminal, you know, arrest them. But if the majority of this database are black faces and they're looking at these different characteristics, they're still matching algorithms and say, hey, this, you know, black face is someone <laughs> that we want to arrest, right? You know, yeah. potentially. So, um, and we'll get into this with the Netflix algorithm, which definitely knows what race you are, you know, what it will display uh, to get you to click on something. So I thought that was kind of interesting. So. So yeah, man, this is uh, you know, definitely interesting times to kind of think about entertainment, but just AI in general and its functionality and the benefits of society. Uh, it's gonna be interesting. So so more to come there, man. Uh anything else on the news you want to cover? I mean, that's from the AI standpoint. Uh I'm good with the news for now. Yeah, man. Let's get into it, man. Uh let's get in everyone to the feature. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. All right, Mr. Benja. So what are your thoughts about ai right now and you know let's kind of you know set the table as you usually you do so eloquently of what we want to discuss today around ai entertainment so yeah let me set the set the uh, stage for this there were in the past year two years three years however far you want to go back we've been seeing an exponential rise in the use of computer assisted development of creative media going into movies games music 
um, wh whatever have you, uh, Twitch streams, um, YouTube, uh, wh wherever entertainment and content media has been going out, you've been seeing an influx of uh, computer technology. And you can even see the little steps way back from when, you know, auto-tune, right? It's just, uh, let me fix this guy's voice up. And people are complaining, oh, that's not his real voice. It's like, eh, who cares? We're going to lips. We're going to lip sync. And it's like, yeah, I thought he had laryngitis. Why is he on stage? It's like, yeah, he's lip syncing. And over time, it now it comes down to, well, this guy's in an art show and he's an artist, but he didn't do any art himself. Mm -hmm. And it starts to become this really hard question of, okay, what are we doing? Where are we going? But I think one of the keys that's, that's interesting for the show versus business um, feature that we're doing here is that as far as business is concerned, do we want actual people? I mean, can't we outsource to a computer? Isn't that cheaper in the long run? And on the development side, even as a creative, it's like, you know what? I mean, I see we have these people over here, but I can't get these five artists on the same page. What if I could get two artists on the same page and have computer generated art do the rest of it? I mean, you know, you start to have these questions about how is the business run now? So it's a wild, wild world right now. And as we said with uh, James Earl Jones, voice is being taken over. In fact, let me just go through some of the areas, if you don't, to, to give to give an overview of where AI has been in use. Mm -hmm. Short answer, everywhere. Um, <laughs> everywhere in your, in your computer media the media that you're getting online is everywhere. Concept art is when people try to figure out new ideas, how something's going to look. Uh, that's that's what's been hitting off lately with software like Dolly and Mid Journey. Those are the kind of art programs that are being used now, and that's that everyone's talking about. Uh, animation. It's like, well, how does the how does the zebra look when he jumps off a cliff? Like, well, are we going to make a zebra jump off a cliff? No, just use some animation. Figure it out. Use the AI. Mm -hmm camera work you could set up drones with ai cameras to follow you around and if a tree gets in the way it'll move around the tree it's using artificial intelligence to figure that out uh same goes for 3d work you know if you want to if you want something to look a certain way you can have ai figure out the best camera angles and not have to spend a lot of money and time actually filming these camera angles let the computer try it out mm -hmm. audio voice adjustments um in video games, we've been using uh, technology to full, to populate like worlds like GTA for a while. No one, no one going in and hand placing all those trees. They just run a program like Speed Tree, and it goes and places trees and rocks. And we kind of say, "Eh, we like it. We don't like it. Whatever." <laughs> and I don't know if you're on a Twitch or anything like that, but there's this, there's this, uh, <laughs> there's this character called called a. Uh, Kodomiko and got banned from Twitch, right? Because it's, it's, it's a totally virtual character, but it got banned from Twitch for impersonating a homeless person. Oh, wow. uh, yeah. I mean, it, this, this is just funny. It's, it's like, well, I won't get twitched, but I mean, I won't get banned, but my AI bot can do it and get banned. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm going to cancel an AI bot. What does that even mean? It's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
voice acting, script writing, uh, deep face, where we're replacing faces, bodies, and clothes. Mm. And, you know, the algorithms, how is all of this, how are you even making a choice on what you want to watch? Is the studio making a choice on what you want to watch? Or is a computer program making a choice? Um, it, the list keeps going on. Oh, and we forgot about this piece of news from two years ago. Warner Brothers even signed a deal to have AI-driven film management. You know what they mean by that? No. Oh, to, to, to determine what films are going to greenlight, right? Exactly. I, think I remember that, yeah. That's, that's kind of wild to me where you have just all these films and even though you've got a room full of people saying, wow, these are really good films, they're going to run it through the AI to see if the computer gives it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Like, well, it's got these, these, uh, these people could possibly act in it. It's got this type of story. These trend lines are going this way. The computer says, no, we don't like it. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's weird, right? Hey man, welcome to 2022. <laughs> it, it doesn't seem weird to me. I mean, you know, um, We'll talk about Netflix is doing that now, how they kind of create what shows get the second season, right? Or what movies they want to produce, right? And so mm-hmm. I think this, why why wouldn't it be on the uh, same way on the uh, studio level eventually? Because, um, you know, people are looking for hits, man. And, you know, they don't know. It's not unlike uh, the stock market, right? There's algorithms to figure out which stocks are going to blow up and go to the moon. So, um I'm, I'm sure people are going to look for any advantage. If AI can give them that advantage, they're going to take it. Right. So I, I think that over in time, in the past, and I think this is why this is relevant now, in the past, we've seen it more, um, more like AI has been more like a tool to where it's like, oh, well, no one needs to go through and place all of these trees by hand in this background. Um, no one needs to go through this big Lord of the Rings battle with all, all these orcs. No one needs to animate every orc. There's, there's thousands of them, literally. No one needs to animate all that. Let AI do it. So I see it moving from a tool in the past to all of a sudden, well, wait a minute. That's not a tool for creatives. What if it was the creative? And I think that's where it's starting to get interesting because suddenly you can cut out a lot of creative talent and i mean they've already been working hard and been under the gun right for you know like hey we need to create all these visual assets and where are all my vfx artists it's been hard for them and suddenly it's like you know what we're not even gonna let up because now we're gonna move into creative Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no man well can you can, <laughs> as a business person, is there any reason why you would want to stop this? No, not at all. <clears throat> I mean, you know, biggest cost driver of your business, you know, to keep your, they call earnings before interest, taxes, dividends, and, you know, uh, you know amortization, EBITDA mm-hmm. is yep. really the um, labor costs. And so if you can get artificial intelligence to do a lot, you know, create automation, you know, reduce some of your labor costs. That's huge, man. In a lot of cases, labor costs could be as high as like sixty percent of your your of your um your costs, right? To kind of drive revenue, so or drive uh, profitability. So I think you know that makes sense from a business standpoint. I mean, I would definitely um you know 
I mean, we're trying to leverage that in what I'm doing, right, in the healthcare space. Um, so, you know, we we can talk about it. I mean, you know, the FX, you know, VFX folks over at uh, Marvel, you know, that's being used extensively, right? Any big movie now has VFX, even TV shows, man. They, there's some examples like basic TV shows you would think would even need it. <laughs> like yeah. so-called The Old Man or something like that are using VFX, uh, VFX budgets, right, to kind of create, you know, these uh, interesting CGI yeah. environments. And they're saying VFX folks are like burnt out and they're getting yeah. tired of doing all this uh, work. And so now artificial intelligence, can that come in and create a lot of the imagery that they're looking for at, uh, you know, yeah. a fraction of the cost? Yeah. So, so basically, just to recap that thought for a second, you know, you have these artists who go to school, they, you know, spend a lot of money on these computers to learn and the software to learn Photoshop, to learn Illustrator, to learn, um, you know, Shake. I don't know if you know, still using that, uh, you know, all, all these software packages, right. That people buy and start using to, to build out these 3d systems, um, you know, Maya or whatever, um, ZBrush, et cetera. I got to throw a couple in there because, my art friends will be listening and get mad at me if I don't say it. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, you know, they're going in, they're using all these tools and they're good at it, and, but they're getting burnt out. And that's when, when you hear VFX, that's generally what you're thinking about. People sitting behind a desk trying to figure out how do we make the scene get colored properly? How do we make this explosion look realistic? How do we make the, the, you know, the punch how do we make the punch look look real? How do we make it pop on screen? There's so much that goes into it, even for films that don't seem like they're very, you know, we're, I mean, we're not talking about the Matrix. We're talking about regular films, regular. It would seem like there's a, a guy walking through a forest. It's like, why would you need VFX for that? Hey, maybe they want the sun in a different position. Maybe they want him to be wearing a different color shirt. Maybe his hat says something that it shouldn't, and they want to rewrite the text on the hat. Mm -hmm. VFX artists come in and start fixing all this stuff up. And when I say it's everywhere in films, just watch the uh, just watch the credits, and you'll start noticing that wow, they put it everywhere. It's just all over the place. Um, and you've got that's your VFX. Suddenly you know, the other acronym AI, artificial intelligence comes in and starts doing all this work. This is really upending the industry right now in the same way that like photography started upending fine art back in the day. Cause you used to have people sit around and, you know, would draw paint or whatever. And that'd be, that'd be the high watermark for representative art. Right. Somebody painted mm -hmm. something and it got real. Once photography came out, artists were pissed. It's like, this isn't real <laughs> art. How dare you consider this over a painting of da-da-da? It's like, look, dude, I just want a picture of this, the Capitol building with us standing in front of it, all right? I don't need to actually go stand in front of the Capitol building for hours. I can just have a photographer, boom, gets a shot, let's go. Mm -hmm. So this isn't an old thing. I'm just really curious to see how it plays out for the entertainment media. Yeah, I love it, man. That, that's that's for doing that deep dive on like BFX and you know what they're doing and how that's affecting, you know, projection values and stuff like that for the future. So, I mean, you know, from a business standpoint, um, 
So like I said, I think there's, there's some value there. So one example I want to kind of deep dive into is like the, you know, moving on to the Netflix algorithms. Dacian engine or NRE is what they call it made up of algorithms that filter content based on each individual user profile. The engine filters over 3000 titles at a time using 1300 recommendation clusters based on user preferences. It's so accurate that 80% of networks, Netflix viewers activity is driven by personalized, personalized recommendations from the engine. It's estimated, estimated this engine saves Netflix over a billion dollars per year in customer acquisition costs. That was back in 2016. So there's a lot of word salad there, but it just basically is telling us that, you know, having a, a way to keep people on the platform is critical to Netflix because they have a subscription service and the longer you stay on the program, the more they make off of you, right? If you cancel yeah. like <clears throat> Mr. Benja, <laughs> that's what they call a churn and they can't make that money off of you. So they got to figure out ways to keep you interested, right? So I think for a long time, they, the way they kept inter- keep you interested, Mr. Benja, was they the recommenda- recommendation engine always gave you some good anime to kind of just lean back and while you're doing your art or doing work, uh, you can just play in the background, right? Yeah. Whereas for me, the way they kind of keep me probably engaged is like some interesting, you know, uh, thing, some new show about some interesting, you know, sci-fi or something and mm-hmm. with a black lead on the cover. Oh, I'll go check that out. Yeah. The way to keep my wife interested is uh, having some kind of documentary about someone that killed somebody <laughs> they had to figure, yeah. figure out who did it. And so it's like, that's what the recommendation engine is doing is, is, is it, the goal is to keep people on that platform as long as they can so you can constantly pay them their fees, their monthly fees. If anybody that churns, that costs them money. And so when they cost, talk about customer acquisition costs, the, co- the goal in this business, when you're trying to, when you look at the, what they call unit economics of trying to build a business, is you want to make sure your lifetime value is much, much greater, which is how long, it, how much money can I get out of Theo? How much money can I get out of Mr. Benja by staying on this platform? Is much, much bigger than how much it costs to get Mr. Benja, right? And so, yep. or get, get and so that's what they're trying to do. And that's what they, that, that billion dollar cost is basically now, because I can keep the on for like two years, I don't got to find like 10 other Theos to replace them. So I don't have to spend as much money in customer acquisition, go find a Theo, right? Because now I have Theo in, in the bag. So that's kind of what they're doing with this recommendation engine. And then I think I put in here some notes around like some of the data Netflix that's, that, that they're tracking, you know, okay. Uh, time and date, a Netflix user, user watches a, a title, user profile information such as age, gender, location, the device they use to stream, if the show is paused, we round or fast forward it. So that's an interesting one because, you know, they have uh, statistics now on there that show you hours streamed. Yep. But the interesting thing about that, they don't tell you if someone watched it for a minute or like for 30 minutes of a 30 minute show. So what right. if they watched it by accident, they just say, oh, that minute. That counts. Yeah. <laughs> Throw that in. <laughs> so, so people are always kind of questioning the, the, how the, the, the accuracy of this data. But, you know, I think Netflix is, you know, starting to kind of figure out how they can kind of rework that. Uh, one of the things the viewer uh, resumed watching after pausing, whether the entire TV series or movie was completed. So I say all that to say is like they already have this data, but they're not showing everything. And that's what people are kind of questioning. It's like, okay, what really is a hit on Netflix? Because they have all this data. And so when they make recommendations, like there's a show that they recommended, um, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, have I, uh, never have I ever, 
Right. And it's about an Indian young lady, you know, going through, you know, high school and figuring out what she likes and doesn't like. So this fourth season and you're like, wow, how did they get a fourth season? The algorithm, baby, they know who's watching yeah. it, how long they watch it. And so that's kind of interesting to me of how they're kind of thinking about and using AI to kind of understand what people like and keep them on something longer term. And that's, I think that's the core crux of any kind of AI endeavor when it comes to, you know, the streaming services, at least. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's funny, uh, a lot of people, when you tell them stuff like this or start to bring this up, they think, you know, oh, it doesn't know me. It doesn't, you know, I'm different and it doesn't figure me out. You know, they're not actually figuring you out. Uh, If you saw that one word in their recommendation cluster, Mm -hmm. basically, I don't know if you've ever run into, you know, you're talking to somebody and suddenly you're like, hey, you like that show? Oh, I love that show. And you're like, oh my God. Hey, you like that too? Oh man, that's my jam. And you two are both bouncing back and forth. And it's like, there are very few people, but once in a while you'll meet somebody who like has all your same musical taste, has all your same food taste or whatever. What the algorithm is doing when they talk about recommendation clusters is not worried about you specifically. They're just looking at two separate people like, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up a second. These two people really love these two shows. They always watch for this long. They watch it late at night. They're both this and this. And they start creating these little profiles of just different people. And you get a cluster, basically, a a, a lump of people that says, this is this type of person. You may fit in exactly or to some degree or whatever or not. But basically, I can just market to that cluster and that whole cluster of people. It's like it's not so it's not terribly concerned about you in particular. And people that's where people get freaked out. But it's like, no, no, no. If if the if the algorithm is doing good and it's figuring stuff out, it's because there are more people like you than you think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to your point, I mean, you know, they name these clusters, right? You know, uh high profile, you know, men who like, you know, sexy vampires or something like that. Yeah. And they're like, oh shit, you know. A lot of them like this type of show. And there's like 5 million of them on our platform. And they watch it all the way through. This show about sexy vampires gets, you know, second season. Easy. Um, How is that that a thing? It's like, yeah, that's a thing. And to your point, uh, they said, I read some words that Millie, uh, what's it, Millie Bobby Brown, uh, she, uh, from Stranger Things, she's probably her and there's another person, uh, are one of the few folks that's probably uh, Netflix algorithm movie stars, right? She's constantly getting stuff. They they renew. They don't do a lot of sequels or movies for Netflix. She's already got a sequel for her Enola Holmes. Uh, you know, basically the sister of Sherlock oh, yeah, Holmes just got renewed. It's like I mean, uh, got green light for a sequel. That's unheard of. Netflix doesn't do sequels, right, for their movies. And obviously, you know, she's in Netflix. She's in Stranger Things. So. Their algorithm knows that people like her. And so they're just putting more money into, you know, projects she does. So is she the first kind of, because someone, I, I listened to this, uh, you know, shout out to town, Matthew Bellamy, he used to be over Hollywood Reporter. And he writes his newsletter. He talks about this. He says, you know, what is really a movie star now, right? I mean, it's like back in the day, it would be like, you would be a movie, you know, like Tom Cruise, you get a movie, blows up, Top Gun, you're a movie star, right? Everybody loves yes. Will Smith, you know, Denzel Washington. But now you see actors moving to TV, streaming, movies, and you're like, uh, who's who's popular now? Yeah. The Netflix algorithm cannot predict 
who will be a movie star based on watches. And I, I, you know, and I'm a big firm believer in it only because I think behavior is a true indicator of who you really are, right? You can tell people, yes, I'm a truth teller. I love this. But what you do, and that's why Google is powerful, what you search for, what you do is more indicative, indicative, indicative of who you really are. And so Netflix does understand that for their viewing patterns. So can they cr- create uh, the next Hollywood movie star by the algorithm? Why yeah. not? Now, let me ask you this. Would you be comfortable with watching Netflix, right? And you, uh, you know, your time is valuable. Uh, you don't like things that are overly drawn out. Let's say you're watching a Netflix movie. And based on your profile, it says, you know what, Theo and everybody else in this in this little cluster that we've got worked out, they always cut out of the movie early. Let's make a shorter version for Theo. And when he watches it, it's a little shorter. And when I watch it, I have some extra scenes in there because I'm usually I usually do it a little differently or, you know, maybe there's a really gory scene that that I might get triggered by, or that, you know, you're into probably the other way around. Uh, cause, cause I'm into weird shit, but, but you know, what if they like cut out a whole scene because it was like too much or they played the PG version and I didn't ask for it to do that. It just did it. Does it start to get weird for you then? Well, we talked about this or maybe we have a man to a podcast, but they've already done that previous seasons of stranger things. They literally take it out certain sections that they felt were too triggering to people for right. previous seasons. Mm-hmm. So they're already going back into archive editing things, you know, at a broader level. So what's the difference between editing it based on who's viewing it? Why not? So that's weird. Streaming can, you know, is really changing the perception of, you know, what if someone said, you know, the F word, you know, like five years ago on Netflix, why can't they go back and take it out? You know, exactly. so, yeah. so that's, that's kind of interesting. The con you said, or you remember how uh, George Lucas used to always create these new versions of Star Wars, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't want to have Han Solo, you know, shoot Greedo first. So he had to put this, you know, CGI version where Greedo yeah. shot him first. And then now Han Solo had a reason to shoot him. Yeah. I was like, you know, stuff like that is like these, you know, but, but people have proof because I have the original digital set. Yeah, the original series. I said, nah, that shit went in there, man. Yeah. Get out of here, George Lucas. But guess what? <laughs> I don't have a physical copy anymore, man. So now yeah. our memories are going to be changed. You know, when we go back and watch these old episodes, like I was watching Game of Thrones, we watch where they went and they changed oh. some scenes. Oh. And I'm like, oh, I thought this happened. Oh, I guess it did happen that way. So now our perception of the content is changing when we go back to watch it. I didn't think of messing with memory until you just me- you just mentioned it the way you did right now because if i mean there could be there's there's little stuff that changes all the time by the way yeah i mean if it's like the coloring is slightly off it'll change um if a translation's off that might change and you'll never notice so you know they fix up graphical errors all the time like the uh i don't know if you remember the book of boba wait it was boba fett yeah the book of boba fett the pants guy oh yeah you read the, the pants drama? Some some guy with jeans, just his leg was like in the in the scene, and people caught it. And like the next day, it was gone. They're like, "Hey, what happened? I thought you said it was here." It's like, nah, they, they went in and scrubbed it. Yeah, you know, matter of fact, look, real talk. I was uh, looking at an old episode of Game of Thrones, and there was a scene where it's supposed to be a Starbucks coffee cup there. I didn't see it. 
Oh, yeah. I don't know if you remember that. It was a big controversy to tell him. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, so now that we've got the ability to kind of change everything, um, we're, we're updating on the fly. We're using AI to create a lot of this stuff. The question that really uh, gets me and the thing that I don't, I don't know if it bothers me or not, but after, do you start reverse engineering for a particular result? Like uh, we want people to show up to the theaters on a Friday. We want people to show up on a Tuesday and we're going to start reverse engineering. I mean, showing up on a certain day is kind of weird, but I, I was getting at like, you know, you're aiming to a certain market because you want them to show up on a certain day. So the AI starts to figure out the market wants it this way. I mean, the, the, the market, um, the marketers want it a certain way. Let's reverse engineer a product the way the marketers want it, as opposed to what the public will actually like. Mm. You know what I mean? You see what I'm getting at? Yeah. I mean, why not, man? And that's the scary part. I mean, you know, I mean, look, we already know people tap our phones, you know, and marketers know exactly what we're talking about. Google knows what to show us and display ads. That's why advertising is becoming big now on streaming, right? That's they're going to, you know, they have a lot of data on us. So why wouldn't they show different advertisements, right, to us based on what we like? Um, yeah. Netflix is going to, you know, the rumor is they're going to have something here in November. So we'll see, you know, maybe we'll talk about that. Yeah. Uh, what kind of ads do you see, Mr. Benja versus what I saw, right? And, uh, and we're watching the same show. We should right. do an experiment, watch the same show at the same time and see what kind of ads show up for us. That's going to blow our mind. Watch. And so, so I think there's going to be stuff like that that are going to leverage this, this data to kind of influence us. So, I mean, you know, it's a sign of times. I mean, you know, as long as you are aware of that, I mean, uh, I think you just have to realize that's just kind of what it is with your entertainment. They're going to know more about you and figure that out. Well, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's dangerous. And uh, Hollywood and all these guys, they're 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 playing with something pretty dangerous because. Well, not in just the social sense, but even the financial sense where anytime people start trying to say, and I hate these discussions where someone's like, well, you know, we, we, we had one, one Terminator and not Terminator because that has a good sequel, but let's say any of the sequels, right? They start to figure out, oh, well, you know, they liked, they liked the mom character in Terminator. So let's add more of this. Oh, they liked the kid when he did this. Let's add more of this. And they keep looking at it and saying, well, they like this. So let's add more and let's do this this way. And then when you watch the product, you're like, I don't like this. And then the, everyone's confused because, well, wait, we put in everything you liked. And it's like, dude, I like cheesecake and I like ketchup. I don't want them together in the same, yeah. you know. <laughs> and you start to lose the artistry. And I, I think we're already kind of there, man, in terms of losing the artistry. It's a lot of people are reverse engineering. Uh, shout out to Lifetime Television and the Christmas uh, series of movies that's coming out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we, should, we should put that out there, man. All the, the lists. It's, I love it. It's, it's like any type of Christmas movie. But uh, I mean, but shout out to music. I mean, I put this, you know, maybe cover another time on the, the show, but they're saying uh, hip hop is losing this is 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 uh, hold a strength of hold on the streaming services because 
it all starts to sound alike, right? You know, the same kind of chords over and over again. You know, they say pop music in general. There's just, this is this quality that doesn't really hold your attention. It's nice and pleasant to listen to, but is there anything there, there with it? And so art in itself, there's no quality to it, right? And so um, it can kind of feel, it's, it's, it's based on, every, even art now, the TV shows, movies are watching now, it's based on something else. Yeah. The, the two things that are, you know, hot in TV right now, Game of Thrones and uh, Lord of Rings, based on previous IP that yeah. they're recreating and it's not the same as the original. And you're like, oh, blow it. You know, your mind is blown. It's like, now we're getting copies of copies, right? And that's never good if you ever try to do that. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so I do feel like it, it is cheapening. So when you got AI throwing the mix and you got, you know, the, the, the business angle taking advantage of that, you know, um, you just throw it all in there. Just, this goulash, if you will, is creating content and entertainment that is not as entertaining. And it's almost like, what, what is that? Like, uh, you got to get more of it to fill up, right? You know, if it doesn't have a good yeah. nutritional value, you got to eat more of it. And so it's kind of like we got to consume more content in order to get that same joke you got from the Red Wedding or same joke you got from watching Star Wars at the same time. Ugh, I got to see Luke Skywalker say about my father, you know, but I can't get it no more. So I got to watch all this other stuff, right? To just maybe get a little taste of that. And, you know, so I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know why, but uh, I, I guess we're going to, we're going to see a lot of homeless artists out there <laughs> in the streets yeah in the streets because i mean that's we're coming down to brands right where you know you can't you can't like a work as much just because it's it's been developed by uh i mean and trust me we are on the the early early stages of ai product development we're on the early stages of it. So it, it's about to get crazy. So now you're going to see, I'm guessing you're going to see more brands um, come forth, you know, where it's like, Hey, if you like this, you just stick with this brand because it's catered to this recommendation cluster. It's catered to this type of audience. You just stick with the brand. You'll be safe. Even if it's not as good a quality product, we're just going to drag you this way, whether you like it or not, whether it's Kanye West whether it's Marvel, whether it's Star Wars, whether it's Stranger Things, um, you know, whether it's Drake. Like, I'm sure there's a, a artist out there who I might like better than Drake, but I'm listening to Drake just because, you know, I, I ain't going through all that. I ain't got time to be sitting around in, in the depths of Spotify getting wasting my bandwidth. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, so, yeah, it's... Very interesting times, like you said, um, that we live in, especially with entertainment and where it's going. So, uh, Mr. Benjamin, I, I don't know anything else before we wrap up. I think you know we kind of covered in detail. Um, this where just I just want to take note, man. We're on the precipice of something very strange and weird, and I don't know what it means for the business side. I don't know what it means for the for the artistic side, but. Yeah, man. The, uh, you know, Skynet, Skynet's here. <laughs> and on that optimistic note, uh, we'll go ahead and end the episode. But, uh, <laughs> Mr. Benji, anything you got planned for the week? 
uh, as I said, man, you know, I got uh, some ideas on reaction videos that did uh, re-up on Disney Plus. So I was about to start watching She-Hulk, and I was like, wait a minute, I can record this. So I might have live video commentary of my, me watching She-Hulk. And um, I don't know, it might not be safe for work. I might have to try a, another show that I'm... <laughs> But, but yeah, I'll do it for She-Hulk. We'll see what happens. Okay, yeah, man. Let me know how it goes. Maybe we'll do a live virtual take of uh, the last episode. I think it's next week. Uh, you want to do a? Okay, I mean, okay, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll figure out something. We can try something out. Uh, something different. Yeah, I yeah, would yeah. be interested to see how that works. And then Andor, you know, check that out when you get it. See what your thoughts are. Get some good reviews, man. I, I see why it's it's different. Mm-hmm. in a good way i think it is so right. it's a different take on star wars and i i'm i think i'm digging it you know more of a realistic take on star wars still got the star wars little you know cutesy stuff in there but you know they're trying to do a little something different so cool. so i mean yeah this tv man streaming man they're, they're definitely experimenting with all this stuff man so i, I i'm i'm encouraged by all of it. so um we're going to get some good content, hopefully, one of these days. <laughs> I just want to feel, I want to feel something. I mean, Loki, I felt a little something. What else did I feel something in content this year? Have you felt, we'll talk about that, but have you felt anything? I just like, oh, that uh, I haven't felt anything since Squid Game, I want to say. That's Squid Game. Everything, all at, everything everywhere, all at once, kind of, I felt a little something there, but I was in the movie okay. theaters. Um, wow. Silence. I don't know. I'm trying to think. Is there anything else I felt some kind of way? Just like, oh, wow. That was like really good. Industry was there. It, it had its moment. Industry. When you finish watching Industry. Season yeah, two, you mean? Feel it some. Season two. Yeah, season okay, two. Okay, okay. Yeah, season two. But uh, yeah, few and far between, brother. I see you're thinking too, but uh, it's not Yeah, coming. you know. <laughs> I mean, you know, I may have to start digging back into the anime bag to Oh, yeah, going yeah. Uh, yeah, there was a certain yeah. episode of, of One Piece that I saw that got me in the feels. I was like, oh, gotcha. this, is, this is raw. Mm. Raw, no oh. algorithm, random Japanese guy in the dusty corner of a building, banging away his his true heart's desire and putting it into the work. Yeah, man, that's... He, he did it. He did it. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, and One Piece is like, what, hundreds? of episodes so yeah that's that's a that's a stretch man uh yeah i'm i'm searching i'm trying i'm i'm I'm, well i'm i'm kind of you know rambling here but i I don't know anything off the top of my head so uh i guess it wasn't anything that was relevant relevant yeah let's put out the social i want to see what the people would say yeah what got you in the fields this year man it's in the end of the year go check it out everyone go let us know but hey everyone thanks for listening oh for me this week uh, i'm just excited about another week uh no hurricane sunny skies outside so we're gonna enjoy the week and then uh get ready for q4 man excited about it so so yeah so let's get into it everyone thank you for listening please like subscribe and comment at show versus business on twitter youtube and instagram listen to us at spotify itunes or wherever you listen to podcasts Visit us on our website at Show versus Business. Want to hear us live? Please check us out around 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific, Wednesdays on IG Live, and Mr. Benja during his ADD experience. And that's where we go in and do our check in of the news from the week. Hi, right, Mr. Benja. Have a great one. Peace. Thank you for listening to Show versus Business, your weekly take on pop culture. Please subscribe to this podcast at Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. 
Please like and subscribe to our Instagram page, Show vs. Business, to get exclusive behind-the-scenes takes and upcoming episodes. Talk to you next time. Finish him!